what an encouraging and inspirational time we had together this morning. It was uh, a blessing to have uh, brother and sister workmen with us. It is amazing out of the uh, carnage and ash of such, such devastation. Uh, you can find shining through optimism and the power of the gospel and the spirit of faith in so many who are God's people there. Uh, we are just overwhelmed with our inspiration and encouragement from that uh, experience we had this morning. And we learned in the uh, worship hour from the seven churches of Asia and the letters there in Revelation 2 and 3, some things that God has always expected of his people. Uh, we realize that uh, we have a God of grace, a God of mercy who loves us and cares about us and that in the end our salvation isn't because we've earned it, it's because God gave it to us in Christ. But that being said, we still have responsibilities. God still expects things of us. In the Beatitudes, Jesus gives a blessing to several kinds of people, those kinds of his own disciples that would be poor in spirit, mournful over sin, who would be meek and who would hunger and thirst after righteousness, who would be merciful and makers of peace, who would be pure of heart and willing to be persecuted. Those who are doing something had a blessing coming their way. And likewise, Paul in the book of Galatians chapter 5, after listing the ugliness of the works of the flesh, then gives the wonders of the Spirit's fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. These things that he mentions here, along with other lists like Ephesians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 3, the Christian gracious in 2 Peter chapter 1, a list of words and attributes that uh, reflect what God expects of us. The last verse of 1 Corinthians 15, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And in that same sense in Galatians, Chapter 6, Paul reminds us that we should not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not. And that is a part of sowing that seed to the Spirit, uh, that which will give a great dividend, a great harvest in the after a while, and, and even now. But, with all that in mind, and I, I doubt I've said one word this evening we can't all agree upon, uh, we have something in common, all of us. We know a lot better than we do. Uh, the fact you're here and have chosen to be here on a Sunday evening uh, suggests the fact you have a certain basic level of Bible understanding. And you understand uh, what the Lord expects of you, even those things he expects of you that you are not really delivering on as best you could. And I don't mean to speak just to you, I'm speaking to myself as well. We all lack in doing everything we should be doing and failing to do those things that we should fail to do, prohibiting our lives from things that drag us down and bring us more Satan-like than God-like. 
We're all missing the mark. And that's why day by day we are in need, all of us, of the continual cleansing of Christ's blood that John speaks about in 1 John chapter 1. But the question for this evening is a simple and a succinct one. Why is it that we, knowing better, don't do better? Why is it that we're so content to stay the same? Many of us have been Christians now for decades. And you'd like to think, I hope that many of us have over the years grown from what we started out to be. We began as newborn babes, having believed in Christ as God's Son, having chosen to repent of sins, confess our faith, and as Jesus himself taught, be baptized for salvation. We, we did that years ago. And thus, as newborn babes, we, uh, by means of the word of God, had a growth that came upon us that should have catapulted us toward the future into the, the people we are now, so much beyond what we started out as. And yet, many of us have to say, you know, when I really think about it, I'm not that much different than I was then. I still struggle with the same bad habits. I still had the same personality foibles I had back then. I still have things that I knew then I should have been doing, and I still to this day say, you know, I, I need to do better about that. Why is it that we don't change more and more often based upon the knowledge we have? We know better. In fact, many of these passages I started with earlier this evening, we could spend our whole time in just reading or quoting them, uh, they include things that all of us have known for years. We need to be more loving. We need to be more understanding. We need to be more forgiving. Uh, we need to be more involved in spreading the seed of the kingdom and doing good wherever we go as Jesus did. We need to be more Christ-like in our lives every day of our lives. We know that. But again, we know better than we do, and the question is why? Why are we so content to stay the same. Now, you may have some answers about this I don't have. And I don't have all night to be talking about this because I'm as interested and, and eager to get to the carols and cocoa as you are. But let's see if we're on the same page on a few of these. Why do we find ourselves staying in the same place year after year? One reason, I believe, is because we we have the old excuse we give ourselves and we say to others, well, this is just the way I am. I'm not really growing. Why? Well, because, you know, I'm an Irishman and we have our tempers, you know, and I'm just a person that if you rile me up, I'm going to get mad and I'll show you my temper. That's just the way I, I am. Or I'll run right over you to get where I'm going because that's just the way I, I'm just a, I'm an alpha kind of a person. I just go for it and that, that's the way I've always been. That's the way my mom and dad were. That's the way my grandparents were. That's just the way I am. Take me or leave me as I am. And you realize that invitation song we sing, just as I am, means that's where we start. That's not where we end up. The gospel is meant to change us from where we are to where we need to be. 
And the story of Scripture is not just the fact that God sees us and loves us where we are. It's the fact that God empowers us and expects us to use that power to grow beyond where we are. We all have predilections and dispositions and built-in nuances to our psyche and our personality that go back uh, to our genes, perhaps, or upbringing, if not. The nurture-nature argument has never really been completely solved, but there are some parts of us that are part of us. But that's not to say we don't have to work on those parts that are problematic. We all have rough edges, and they're not there to stay rough. The Apostle Peter had so many problems during his time of our Lord's ministry that he struggled with his personality all his life, but he got better. He progressed from where he was. Uh, Many of us are content to stay where we are because we are just convincing ourselves by lying to ourselves that, well, that's just the way I am. Take me or leave me. And uh, you find me the verse that uh, gives you the right to say that, then I'll come back next Sunday evening and have a whole lesson on your side of the story. But I have yet to find the passage. Instead, time after time, we're expected to grow. The last verse of 2 Peter chapter 3, but grow. We're expected to be Christ-like. Hath this mind in you when it was in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2 and 5, we're expected to change. Not to stay where we have been, but to reach toward those things ahead. As Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, we're expected to change. Regardless of what we've always been, we can be better. And that means if you've got a temper, you can work on it. If you've got a rough edge, you can work on that. If you have a problem reaching out and and talking to others with words of encouragement, you can do better about that. If you have if you have a hesitancy to speak to someone about coming to church with you, you can, you can work on that. God takes us where we are and then leads us to where we can be if we are willing to go through open doors like we heard talked about this morning. Which leads me to the next. Why am I so willing to stay just where I am? It's sometimes because I, I think... I need to wait until things are just a little more perfect. I will. I know I need to. There's this this problem I have that needs to be corrected. Now is not the time. It's kind of like, and I'm about to bring up a subject which I know may get you off track and you'll never come back. I'm sorry. I warn you ahead of time, don't go down the rabbit hole I'm about to dig. It's kind of like losing weight. I know, I I brought it up. I need to do something about that, but you know the holidays are coming. As soon as the holidays are over, if you've noticed, the calendar's full of them. But as soon as I can get past Thanksgiving, we, 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 well, no, Christmas, and all the season leading to Christmas, that's just full of temptation. I mean, we got cookies and cocoa coming up in a few minutes. I can't start tonight. Now, I'm not saying any of you should start. And you get off my case about that, too. This is just an example I'm using. 
And so we get past Thanksgiving, we get past Christmas and say, okay, now I'm going to do, well, there's that New Year's Eve party. And you know what New Year's Eve parties are like. They're full of food and, and all this kind of temptation. Once I get past the New Year's then, I, well, there's Valentine's Day. And so what's the use of wasting January? I'm going to mess up in February anyway when Valentine's Day comes. And you don't expect me to be an unromantic oaf, do you? I've got to eat like the best of them. And so, and then you've got Valentine's Day, and a little bit after that, you, well, you can go through the entire calendar that way and put your birthday in where you like and find there's always a reason to wait until just sometime next, sometime later, sometime else. And again, I'm not saying any of us should do anything about weight loss, but I am saying this. There are matters of Christian growth that every one of us need to be involved in improving. Whether it be a habit we need to get rid of, or a Christian act or service or work that we need to be more engaged in, more involved with. And the time to do something that's right is right now. Now, we mentioned this morning the idea of open doors, and there are plenty of open doors, and you think, well, I'm waiting for an open door. The idea is, when you're looking, you'll see they're already there. If you sit back and wait and say, I'm going to wait until things are just lined up perfectly, and an open door comes, and you better believe I'm going to run right through it, you open your eyes up to really doing something right now that needs to be done, and all of a sudden, here these doors were always open. You just weren't looking for them. So sometimes we don't change because we, we put it off, we put it off, we put it off until too much time has gone on, and we lose interest or we lose opportunity. Jesus himself said in John 9, I must work the works of him who sent me, his father. While it's day, the night cometh when no man can work. Even Jesus' work was confined to the time he was on this earth with respect to his earthly ministry. If he was so confined, so are we. Our opportunities don't last forever. The good we should do, we should do now and not just put it off. Now, one more reason sometimes we don't grow past where we are is because, quite frankly, we're afraid we might fail. And this is a big one. Nobody likes to lose. If you've been watching football the last few days, uh, they're winners and they're losers. And the winners like to point at the losers and say, you shouldn't be a bad loser. That's easier for a winner to say. Nobody likes to lose. And we, we, we're afraid of starting something that we should be doing because what if, what if something goes wrong? What if I bite off more than I can chew? What if I fail? Well, what if you fail? Behind every success, you find... A, a rearview mirror full of failures. But the person has kept on keeping on, kept on pushing forward, kept on persevering, 
And finally, you find those failures lessening and the success is becoming more in number and more frequent. And it's because of the momentum you get by continuing to try, continuing to work, not giving up, not being content to stay where you are. But yes, but, 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 but I've, I've tried this before and it didn't work. I've tried to quit this habit and it just came back. I, I've tried to be better about this and it just, well, by language like that, your suggestion, you gave up on the whole project. You, you gave up on the project of your own life is what you're saying. What you're saying is I could be a better person. I could be doing more. I could be a, a better example for Christ. I could be a better light in this world of darkness, but it hadn't worked out in the past. I'm just giving up like the one talent man who buried his talent in the ground, covered it up, called it good, and Jesus called him a wicked, a wicked and lazy servant. And when we act that way, we are nothing but, and these aren't my words, these are Jesus' words, wicked and lazy. Well, one last. Why don't we change when we should and I hope this applies to none of us, but I need to put it in because it's one that we use more often than we like to think. Why am I not progressing past where I am? Because I, so far I, I just haven't felt like it. Now I know when I say it in a forum like this, it sounds ridiculous. I just don't feel like it. But how often do we live lives in other ways like that, and it works out. You know, as adults, we're not like we were when we were kids at home. Uh, you kids, I have to tell you this. If, if, if an adult sees a trash can that's getting pretty full and needs to be taken out, an adult can say, you know what, I don't feel like that right now. I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. Now, if you're a child and the parent says, take the trash out, and you tell the parent, I don't feel like it, uh, the parent will say what parents say. I didn't ask you to feel like it. I just told you to do it. But we adults, we have some latitude on things like that, and because of that latitude, we end up cutting ourselves a lot of slack we don't deserve. There are things that we don't feel like doing we should do Anyway, now, parenthetical idea. I'm not talking about when you're under the weather, when you're sick, when you're infirm, when you got one death, uh, one foot in death's door. I'm not talking about physical infirmity or impairment. I'm talking about a mental choice of feeling that says, you know what, I, 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 I could go out to church on Sunday morning. I could do it, but you know what? So comfortable in this bed this morning. And I was, you know, I was up a little late last night watching that movie, watching that game. And, you know, I, I maybe I do have a scratchy throat. I don't know. Well, not really, but the more I think about it, I, it could be scratchy. But whether or not it's scratchy or not, I just don't feel like getting up. I think I'll stay in this... What's going to happen? Well, I don't know. I know what's not going to happen. You're not going to get up. 
unless you change your thinking, unless you change your mind, unless you convince yourself to do what at the moment you don't feel like doing. Now, it's about time a lot of us grew up. I mean, we are mature, aren't we? We are, we are past the point of being children, being tossed to and fro by life's whims and verities. We, we should have grown up by now to say, if something is right and needs to be done, even if it's not comfortable, I, I need to, to do it. I don't feel like it, but it needs to be done. I need, I need to do it. It's outside my comfort zone. Well, it needs to be done, and I'm here. I, I need to, to do it. And the funny thing about feelings, we'll find out, is that the more you press forward doing what you don't feel like doing that needs to be done, the more next time you actually feel like doing it. Your feelings play, play, play catch up to your will. Now, it can work the other way. If you let your feelings lead you around, you'll will to do nothing, and you'll become a do-nothing, accomplishing nothing, because you never feel like it. But if you put your feelings in the back seat for a while and do something you don't feel like doing that needs to be done, it's easier the next time to get a hold of yourself and do what you know you ought to do. And again, this lesson is not about what you ought to do. We began by saying we know better than we do. There's not a person here this evening that has not a list of things this next year that they could do better at in the Lord's service. And there's not a person here this evening that hasn't got another list of things that to serve the Lord they can do better about eliminating or curtailing in their lives. We all have that in common. And every one of those, because we haven't already done them, because they're still on the table of things left to be accomplished, we've proven the fact that to this point, we just really haven't felt like doing it. Because a little secret, uh, I usually do about what I feel like. <laughs> Very few things I'm able to do that I feel like doing, I don't do. And so those things we need to accomplish, we need to put our feelings to the side and do them anyway. If it's right and the door of opportunity is open, do it. Yes, you might fail, but, but do it. Well, yes, but, but uh, tomorrow I'll do it. No, no, the time to do it is, is now. But, but, but you don't know, preacher, it's, 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 it's not that easy for me because I'm not that, that's not the way I am. I, I'm, I'm built a different way. No, just if it needs to be done, do it. Step out and do it or stop doing it. And little by little, bit by bit, over time, we find ourselves growing. Not all of a sudden. And all at once, but over time, we find ourselves growing where after some time goes by, we can look back upon our own progress and say, I I've made some progress. Or others can see us and say, I think you've made some progress. And now, a little secret as we close this evening. Now, the perspective from up here is a little different than yours from where you're sitting. Uh, 
I would love to see the building full of people. But I've got a desire much different than I think bigger than that, and most preachers do. Yes, we'd love to have a full building of people, but oh, how we want to see the people we have grow, uh, to become more Christ-like, to be more selfless, more others-centered, more interested in Bible things and spiritual concepts and building the church in so many ways. And if you have that, you take care usually the first part. But if not, even like little Smyrna, the second church mentioned, you find yourself with this, this need to be faithful unto death, regardless of size. And so what we want more than anything else is for all of us to, from one year to the next, become more like Christ. To, to grow in all these areas that we can know about but not do so well at accomplishing. Now, I mention all this tonight because we're just about ready to set up the new year and new year resolutions, and you say, I'm not going to do one, I'm not going to have any, and then the time comes and, and somebody says, what's yours? And you say, well, it's none of your business because you haven't thought about it yet. But the subject comes up. Let me encourage all of us this year to actually make a resolution or two based upon the scriptures. Some things that would be better Christians if we left off or curtailed. Some things would be better Christians if we did more of or gave ourselves more to. And actually make resolutions, which is a resolve to actually make progress in this area. And to keep on keeping on as day grows into week, into month, into the next year, slowly, gradually, hopefully, becoming more what God wants us to be. It's time to put the excuses aside, grow up, and begin doing what God expects us to do. Uh, my friend, if you're here this evening and outside of Christ, what better time than now to come in? by obeying the gospel, or as, as a Christian, perhaps you've walked away and need to come back. If you have needs this evening that we can help you with, please come as together we stand and sing.